When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Fright Night. She just goes a little mad sometimes. Wolfman's got nards. They're coming to get you, Barbara. Whatever you do, don't fall asleep. We have such sights to show you. Hey everybody, Jackie here. Before we continue with this week's episode, I just wanted to take a second to remind you again that myself, Marissa, and our friend Mary have joined together to start Three Crones Productions. From podcasts to radio plays, short stories, scripts, and films, we are here to help you find an outlet for your idea. Whether you need help creating, whether you want a platform to put your work out there, we implore you to contact us on Facebook at Three Crones Productions. Along with all of the exciting things we have coming up, there are a handful of podcasts that we are so, so proud to be behind. Block or Buster is the first one that's going to be coming out shortly, followed by Every Month Madness, and soon after that, how did we miss this? Social media links for all of the new podcasts will be listed in the show notes, as well as the information for Three Crones Productions. And now we're going to pick up exactly where we left off last Sunday. This is part two of the 32 bracket of our March Madness 2021 Stephen King edition. Take it away, Marissa. Where we are going to start off with 1980s The Shining, which was probably one of the hottest takes I've ever had on the show. It got so much hate mail for. Good thing that was early in the show because if I do, if yeah. I did that episode now, oh god. Um, versus 1986 Maximum Overdrive. <laughs> wow, <laughs> it's a hard one. A hard one, you guys. Uh, oh man. Uh, okay. Whatever. We'll okay. What <laughs> Can I start the proceedings by discussing the trip? Please tell me you guys watch Stephen King's trailer for Maximum Overdrive on YouTube. No. No. no I oh, do no. know that he directed this, but I it did not watch his trailer. Fucking bananas. Okay, hold on. Let me sit. Let me just set the stage for you. Stephen King does this very '80s trailer where he talks to the camera, and he says, "I'm Stephen King, and I'm going to scare the hell out of you," or whatever. Basically, right. Then goes on to say, I've written a lot of movies, but you know, they say, if you can't get something done, if you can't do, if you want something done right, you got to do it yourself. Now, wait a minute. I wrote this down because I was so pissed off about it. I'm going to now read to you a list of the directors who directed Stephen King movies before Maximum Overdrive. Okay. Annotated list. Toby Hooper, Brian De Palmer, George Romero. Only any of them knew what they were doing. Cronenberg, John Carpenter. Amateurs. Bunch of fucking hats. Stephen King has the cojones to go on national television and say, you want to see a movie, motherfuckers? And then it's Maximum Overdrive. Wait a minute. Was he still on Coke? Oh, because yeah, if he no, was, this he is has a pass. Coke. This is, yeah. this is Coke. Oh, my God. Um, 
delusions of grandeur, talking. psychosis. Oh, That's what this is. The whole thing is the coke is the cocaine talking. Yeah. I mean, the yayo of this movie is just I I, I can't I, I can't. Yeah. I'll let you guys talk. The only I, I thing guess Joe's the only shining. Yeah, the only is thing that is a, a takeaway from Maximum Overdrive is 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 the face on the truck is the is the green face on the, the truck. Like, that's the, the iconic, right? Yeah, like that's that I have seen at conventions. You know, people have done different art things with that, and I always think that's very cool. But yeah, as as far as as the movie go, like that you can't. Two one quick note: I will watch '80s Emilio Estevez like paint a wall. To oh, be fair, yeah. like I'm just gonna throw, like I love him, but go ahead, continue. <laughs> Especially when he has Lisa Simpson and uh, bugging out with him. Uh, <laughs> um, Joe and Joshua, you're spooky quiet over there. <laughs> no, I, just I can't believe that you guys made me watch this film, Maximum <laughs> Overdrive. Um, because I asked, so I said, What are the ones that are the weirdest ones? Because I want to get those out of the way, uh, right quick. And for whatever reason, I ignored that advice and saved Maximum Overdrive for like two days ago. And I am, I have no idea what it is that I was watching. Um, so I thought sorry. I was watching like, a, it felt like a music video the entire time, especially the <laughs> opening credits. Oh, well, I mean, yeah, um, the, yeah, ACDC does what? The entire soundtrack yeah, the soundtrack, or almost all the soundtrack? Damn it, yeah, that was one of my trivia questions. Like. <laughs> yeah, ACDC, baby. And also like, uh, first of all, like you have um, a very young, very handsome Giancarlo Esposito as the video player guy who gets who's in the little arcade and gets electrocuted. And I'm like, oh, my God, Gus Fring gets got by the like alien signal or whatever. Yeah, it's unbelievable. Um, Bugging out. I don't, I, but here's the thing though. I'm choosing Maximum Overdrive because I was awake for it the entire time. I was not awake when we watched Steve, when we watched The Shining. Um, and to be fair, if I had to choose like in my hands, I would probably show people Maximum. And I always think about like, in terms of like what I'm going to show someone, I'm like, I would show them Maximum Overdrive. Um, I would be more excited to show uh, my boyfriend Maximum Overdrive because of the rock soundtrack and also because it is batshit insane. It is batshit um, crazy. Yeah. No, that's The Shining yeah. is not a movie that you put on like when you've got a bunch of friends over. Like, yeah. The, yeah, like that's the kind of movie where like you're probably by yourself. Like, I don't know. Like to me, The Shining is just, it's not fun. Like that's a thinker kind of movie. And like, okay, so maybe if you're gathering of friends is we're going to watch this movie and have a have a discussion about it then cool put, you know hit play but like i think for me as far as like if i'm at like a halloween party and somebody puts the shining on it's to me it's too much of a slow burn where that's a mood yeah, killer right there yeah, yeah. like where max moverjine yeah it's bat shit insane from the word go like when you've got vending machines killing people and like yeah. a fucking you know not on the ice Zamboni rolling over a little kid on a bike. I was, I was kind of excited. Oh, it's maximum overdrive maximum. for me. Yeah. The shine. I never thought I would say that though. <laughs> like I looking know. at this whole list, I was like, this is awful. And then I, and then I read a little bit more about like how, um, like King, I think King said like, oh, I, I learned a lot uh, directing this film. I'm never going to direct ever again. <laughs> he did. To be yeah. fair, he realized his own, like, uh, I mean, he makes fun of it more than anybody else, I think. So I always appreciate that about him, his self-awareness. And y'all know how I feel about The Shining and how much I loathe it. So I, I will not say much. Joshua, you could still theoretically make this a curveball. Well, no, I mean, I'm definitely voting for The Shining. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to vote for that. <laughs> 
maximum overdrive. That's never going to happen. Uh, I love The Shining when I feel like I want to have a cold weather day because I live in Southern California. I put The Fucking Shining on. It feels lovely. I uh, feel that, that claustrophobia. Um, you know, I, I do not think that it is obviously a great Stephen King adaptation. It's terrible, actually, yeah. you know, in that realm. But um, it's a great movie. And there's no way I'm going to pick if you put the maximum overdrive shining in my hands at a party even i'm gonna be like uh the shining <laughs> um or we're not i, watching I was i was hope i was kind of hoping that you were gonna choose maximum overdrive if not for how um if not for how di- uh dirty they did um shelly duvall <laughs> in no it's true no there's lots of stuff and when it comes to like discussing the shining you know like we could get into more of that but yeah, no, I mean, Maximum Overdrive is just a great soundtrack. I mean, you do enjoy that. That's cool to put on, you know, and there are lots of movies I love for that, like The Devil's Rejects by um, yeah, uh, Rob Zombie. soundtrack. has an f- amazing soundtrack that I could just listen to, um, punctuated by screaming, but it's okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> much like this, punctuated by revving engines. So yeah, my vote goes to The Shining. All right, so Shining goes through. Uh, maximum Overdrive, sorry, we got to put you back in the garage um i said it before but i didn't realize marla maples is in this movie did you guys realize that before you before i don't know who i don't know that i know who marla maples married to trump trump's wife yeah oh Oh my god oh okay sorry i didn't she was like the the tabloid 80s trump marriage and it's crazy to see her on screen i knew she was an actress but i i couldn't have remembered anything she was in until she showed up in this and i was like holy shit she's in this um also though uh, the um, Marissa, what was the movie that Yardley Smith's in that you were obsessed with the line from? That you do, do you know that off the top of your head? If not, we'll talk about it later. But no, I, I was voice is a national treasure. So there's also oh, I was convinced you were gonna uh, bring up how triggering Beetlejuice is to you because when you were little, I used to always say, "Where you go, my boy? We're gonna have some laughs yeah, yeah, and yeah. jump on your back." Right? Laps, yeah. <laughs> Thanks for well, there goes I, for a few weeks. But you know, Maximum <laughs> Overdrive, I feel like was always on cable too right? Like it was. And, and when watching it again, now watching him do the, like the tank rolling over the car and then back over the car and then over the car, Joe, I think it was Joe who said it felt like a music video. Like it was obvious they were just trying to get more ACDC time in. And again, like, it's not just that the filmmaking was bad, but it amazed me what we would sit through. Like we would just sit there and watch that shit and be happy, be completely content. (laughs) Like, And that's why it holds up because we're definitely still doing that now with a lot of stuff. So that's fair. I always have that. I always like lecture my daughters with that. This is definitely my yelling at the clouds because I'm always like, you have no idea how amazing it is to just watch shit you want to watch. Like we were so much more likely to just watch whatever because it was the only thing that was on. And I like wag my fist in the air and yell about how it is. So uh, for this next one, I'm going to do my best Christopher Walken because we're going to see. Don't you look at me like that. We're going to have the dead oh, zone okay. versus screen versus graveyard. This today. is the most dramatic pausey of all of the walking <laughs> dramatic pausing movies. Yeah, but I, I always forget that young Christopher Walken, not so bad on my eyes. No, you know what? Oh, I've yeah. read the book. I had yeah. never seen the dead zone. Graveyard shift was probably the my least favorite of everything we watched. Um, and surprisingly that my least favorite goes up against Dead Zone, I think is my absolute number one favorite movie from this list. I loved this movie. Absolutely loved it.
was it at the end? I was surprised at how much because it's another one I avoided for a long time because again, the misandry. Uh, <laughs> I, you know, so watching it, I'm like, wow, this is really good. Like, I, I'm very upset that I avoided this movie for so long. It also had Christopher Walken, which I mean, I like him as like Max Shrek. I like his, you know, he's intense and you know, um, he was also in a Madonna music video. So it's like, I like, you know, it's like, I have like some love for him, but I just didn't think like on, on the surface, this just didn't look like it was something I was going to enjoy. And then I really, really loved it. So the thing that I like about uh, the dead zone uh, and that I like about other works of Stephen King's is like when people have like special abilities or special gifts, it harms them. You know, there's a cost to using it. Uh, we see that in the novel Carrie, how it kind of, you know, messes with her heart. We see that in, um, you know, uh, a fire starter, you know, when we were talking about that, how it hurts them, he gets the nosebleeds. And I just think that's a very interesting concept. Uh, that I, I personally like a lot and, and to see in these kinds of, of movies. And we talked about a little bit on Fright School about like what the cost of being like, you know, having like an amazing talent and being adored all over the world and how that can kill you in a lot of ways, the, the, the negative effects of that. Uh, so I just think that's an interesting uh, phenomenon to explore in his um, work. And so, yeah, I'm definitely for the dead zone um, on this one. What was the other? I forgot after having the... The very forgettable graveyard shift. <laughs> yeah, which I saw a lot as a kid because that was one that was always on. So when I was growing up in Ohio, we had like the movie matinee uh, on Saturdays and that was a movie at 12, 2, and 4. And you, you would, you know, look at the TV guide and plan, like did were any of the movies good? That's how I saw like uh, Ghostbusters for the first time and Little Shop of Horrors and Beetlejuice was on there a lot and those kinds of like movies. And so you'd kind of look and see. And so Graveyard Shift was one that I just remembered like the giant rat and, you know, seeing it a lot as a kid. But uh, no, my my vote goes to uh, The Dead Zone. Um, I, I actually need to sit this one out because I watched Graveyard Shift. I didn't watch The Dead Zone. And now okay. I'm going to have to go back and watch The Dead Zone yeah, because- It's very um, good. It's very and and the thing is that I also didn't know that the Dead Zone was a Stephen King film before it was the TV series, mm. <laughs> um, which now hearing you all talk about it, like it makes me want to it makes me want to watch it because like I have such a like I have such a clear memory of like of um, Christopher Walken being like this very like character actor, true romance, uh, Max, you know, in, um, in, in, uh, Batman Returns. And so to see that, like, this is like, Jackie, to hear like, this is your favorite film out of everything that in this, that we watch, it makes me want to watch it even more. So I have to sit this one out because of that. I will say though, that, um, I nearly gave up on, <laughs> I nearly gave up on this whole list after watching the rest of the list after watching Graveyard Shift, yeah. um, because it was just so strange. And I think the only thing that I, the only thought that I had was, um, I forget her name, but like the one of the women in the in the mill is has like a cameo appearance in Gilmore Girls a Year in the Life because like her voice is very <laughs> distinct. Um, I'll, I'll figure out who it was and tell you later. But so I'm seeing this one out, but it sounds like sounds it like sounds dead like zones weird. through. Yeah, yeah. Yoey. Uh, I Graveyard Shift is just such a crap movie. I don't I have know. a lot to say about it. So uh, de uh, Dead Zone Slam Dunk, and I'll talk more about Dead Zone later. All right, sounds good. Uh, moving on, the next one is uh, 1995's Dolores Claiborne against 1983's Christine by John Carpenter. Christine was another one that I really didn't like. Like, it was okay. I'm actually currently reading the book. Um, oh. It was okay, 
uh, Dolores Claiborne is just so frank good. I love, love Kathy Bates. And like I said, Christopher Plummer is so, uh, he's just like, he's such a good, like white collar villain. Like I love, I love how he plays this character. Um, this is a, a book and a movie that we actually talked about on Jersey Ghouls before. And I, I will, I will go to bat for Dolores Claiborne time and time again. This was so fantastic. Yeah. Christine was kind of, you know, hokey, like that's going to be like one of those fun little turn off your brain popcorn movies, but up against Dolores Claiborne, there's no challenge, you know, there's no, there's no hope for that. Yeah, I am. Um, so uh, Christine is a rewatch that I watched with the kids. And um, it was really interesting to watch it with teenagers because it, it's, it really highlights just how, how far away they are from understanding how obsessed we all were or how, I don't even say we, cause that's probably not fair, but how obsessed people in the seventies were with the fifties and even in the eighties, they were super obsessed with the fifties. And like, I don't think there's an equivalent to that. Cause when you think about it, what's, what's kind of mind bending is that that would be like people being really obsessed with the two thousands right now, which, you know, is so yep. weird. Right. Cause there's a real like, ew. And there's also like, that was yesterday. I don't know what you're talking no, about. <laughs> no, but you're right, Marissa. That's the exact thing, right? Is like, there is not this delineated cultural shift. Like I'm watching Mrs. America right now. Are you guys? Ah, uh, yes. So fucking good, first of all, right? And the, the 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 acting in that is so good. It was hard to be watching that in the middle of doing this because I feel like some of these movies are really marred by very mediocre performances. And the, the, the performances in that show are just they're sometimes breathtaking they're so good but yeah. um the oh crap i lost my train of thought sorry so the kids had no way of connecting to like the movie was made in this in the 80s but about the 50s because to them it's all like one thing you know what I mean? so it right. it was really hard to make sense of it um years ago i wrote a horror class curriculum for my high school where we put this in as a stand-in for frankenstein i don't want to give to give it too much, uh, uh, Jackie. If you're reading it right now, and boy, that book works really well for kids who struggle with reading um, mm -hmm. to understand some of the things that Mary Shelley, you know, that Mary Shelley's novel is trying to get across. So it's a really good thematic like help for uh, some of our some of our readers in high school. And, and so in that way, it's still working in a weird way. So I don't want to put it down too much. Um, but uh, with all that said, no, Dolores Clay Claiborne is such a good movie. So uh, despite the fact that it was fun to watch Christine with kids, um, I, I go Dolores. Uh, yeah, definitely. I'm, I'm definitely on the Dolores Claiborne, although I took a note just now about the Christine as Frankenstein because that's freaking fascinating for Fright School. Uh, so just going to borrow that one. Might have to call you up and have you come and uh, uh, do an episode with us on that because that could be very interesting to uh, talk about. Uh, but yeah, you're right. And time is sped up. Like, it's so interesting when you look at how much has changed from like, you know, just in 20 years from 2000 to now it's been so fast. Whereas I'm not sure how big of a difference there was between 50 and 70, like technologically speaking, you know? So you're right, there is, that's a very interesting perspective to have with like, you know, teenagers and not seeing like the, what the big deal is, you know? And we don't really have, cause everything now is just a rehash of what came before every few years, you know, the eighties revisit us every now and again, you know, stuff just spins. It's so true, Josh, it's such a good point because we have, there's light years more technological advancement between now and 2000, but think about all of the like 
tech fear. And this movie really is about like yeah. urban fear, or like tech fear. And King is very techy fear, even back in the yeah, day. Absolutely, yeah. You know, so it's so crazy to think about how much art was so fearful of that then. And now look at what we're living in now. Is it just that the movement is so acutely quick that we almost can't wrap our brains around it? So we're not like making as much art about it. I don't know. It's such a fascinating point though, I think. Yeah. I had more fun watching Christine. So I'm choosing Christine. That's um, I love Christine. It was Joe again, hates I, women. No. I, <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean like, yeah, like the, the like more superior film film capital h uh, capital f sorry not h <laughs> he can't spell he can't even spell i don't read i can't spell um <laughs> the is dolores claymore hands down but like i did just have so much fun watching um and also like i watched christine after maximum overdrive i was like okay like this 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 i enjoy um so I'm gonna I'll be the I'll be the one holdout for Christine in this in this way. Plus I just love the way that they like once they introduced the name of the car, it was always it was never the car, it was always Christine. It was it became a person, it became a character. And I thought that was just so it, it just kind of drove drove home the point. Um plus, I mean, if we're adding to like the 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 RIPs of the people, like, you know, it's got a Harry Dean Stanton in this. Mm-hmm. Um and then I think I said, I think I said in the group that like Christine is ripe for a reboot. Um, Blumhouse will redo it. It'll star Alex Wolf from Hereditary and Ooh. Noah Centineo. <laughs> um, and he'll be he'll be the the he'll be Arnie. Yeah, no, Noah Centineo will be the the football guy, and then Alex Wolf from Hereditary, he'll be Arnie because that I'm here I, for it. That could see more, but yeah. So I, I, I agree with everything everyone said about Dolores Claiborne. It's obviously going to push through, but I'll be that like you know, I'll be that one senator that holds out and says like, <laughs> no, I know it's going to go through. It doesn't matter. But um, yeah. for I the really, record, yeah, I for it. the record, for the record, <laughs> enjoy I Christine. Love it, um, and I love I do enjoy Christine myself too. Um, Jackie, I I'm so sorry for this one. This was the only one I thought about cheating because it's going to break your heart. And I was like, I should cheat. I should just move it. But I was like, if I if I compromise this, then I have like, you know, I couldn't. I couldn't do it. Doctor Sleep versus Dreamcatcher. I love you. I'm so sorry. You know what? I, I know how much you. Love I Dream know Dreamcatcher Dream is a guilty pleasure. Dreamcatcher, and they're kind of how Joshua had the association with uh, some of the movies with his mom. This is straight up a me and Brian thing. Brian got it on DVD and we watched it all the time. And ready? So here's my here's my fun fact about this movie. I loved this movie. I love the cast. First off, the you know, you've got Damian Lewis, who is fantastic. You've got Tim Oliphant. You've got Thomas Jane, uh, Jason Lee. Like, it's just so much fun. You have Morgan Freeman's eyebrows. Like, it just, it does not <laughs> get better than this cast. And it's one of those movies that we've talked about before. It's like, you have this all-star cast. Like, how does this movie fail? Like, how is it a star bomb? Like, how is this possibly a star bomb? Um, but I'll tell you what, I it floods mean, my basement, if that means yeah, any like, difference. I'm, I, I know that this movie is not good, but my little, my little fun fact is we loved this movie. And I told my brother at some point, you know, when I grow up, um, <laughs> I'm going to have a dog and I'm going to name my dog Duddits. Like, I love the fact that, like, I would come home and see my Duddits. dog and I would go, I Duddits. 
And then I meet my boyfriend who already had a dog whose name is Dudley. And I went, okay, well, that's close enough. And we're meant to be. So, <laughs> wow. Um, so I fully, nice fully understand that this is going to go by the wayside. Um, like I said, this is full on nostalgia. This is that, you know, this is, this is the connection. This is one of those just little things that Brian and I shared. So I fully understand that it is going to uh, not go through. And I thank you for adding it to the list for me. So I love you. That is very sweet. I love Dr. Sleep. I definitely would choose that over Dreamcatcher. I think Dreamcatcher had some good ideas. Uh, you know, something, uh, he was trying to do something. The whole, that whole memory, like the way that their minds were, I thought was really fascinating, which we also kind of see in um, Dr. Sleep, you know, that the young girl has like file drawers and then uh, Rose the Hat has this massive cathedral because she's so old, like her memories are, are enormous. And I, I love playing with those sorts of ideas about what our, what our minds look like. Uh, mine is the Adams Family Mansion. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, definitely Dr. Sleep for me. Um, but I do, I love and appreciate that you shared that story about your brother, Jackie, because again, horror is heirloom. Horror is a tradition in a very weird way. and something that we, you know, we love intensely because of people who love it around us as well. I'm choosing Dr. Sleep because, so in a similar way, I do, I, I have a very fond memories of Dr. Sleep uh, and it's like, it just came out. So how could I, um, but in the early days of me dating uh, my boyfriend, we spent a lot of time going to the drive-in drive-in movies here in town. And one of the, one of the like drive-in movies that we went to was um, this double feature of uh, Joker and Dr. Sleep. Um, I know it was very, it was very strange. Um, it was very intense, very strange, but I have like such, you know, fond memories of, you know, snuggling up with him in a, in a, in a car, in a drive-in movie. So, um, which Aww. is odd. Yeah. I, yeah. I know, which is odd because like, he also is not really a horror person and he, he didn't see the shining. And so like there would be parts where we're like, you know, we're making out maybe a little bit and I'll be like, hey, uh, we need to stop for a minute because like there's something happening and like it looks like they're at the hotel and <laughs> all this stuff. But um, and and I really, I really, really loved Rose the Hat in this. Like, I don't know. I, I don't know who that actress is, but I loved her. I loved Rose the Hat just as much as I loved um, Damian Lewis's Mr. Gray, um, because it's just so he's he's such a chameleon. You know, Damian Lewis, this was kind of like at the height of him. He was in the I think the uh, the Band of Brothers and then he would go on to do many other Homeland, things. But like and yeah, mm -hmm. there was a couple PBS masterpieces like, oh, yeah, I got I went like you know balls deep into the damian lewis filmography yeah. like i love him and then mm -hmm. when i found out that he's a british actor i was like no. like the basement <laughs> just destroyed itself i know it's just like there's water damage everywhere um what i what <laughs> the one thing i didn't like about um Dreamcatcher was the fact that you're trying to give me tom sizemore as like a sympathetic character yeah. when all i want is i'm like no this guy's like he plays like every like goomba piece of shit like in every movie <laughs> and and then and but i do love like i do love maniacal like uh, maniacal uh, Morgan Freeman. Mm -hmm. So like any, so yeah. like, okay, it balances itself out. But I mean, this was definitely a hard pairing. Joshua, like amazing tying the two, like how they use memory for both. Cause like, it's just like, oh wow. Like that's a, like that's a really cool relationship, but it is Dr. Sleep for me. All right. And you don't get to vote over there. You yeah, don't. I don't get to vote, but I just want to say that those were such beautiful stories. 
about I'm, I'm dying to see Doctor Sleep. I, I Dreamcatcher. I don't understand what the hell is wrong. That movie just makes me so angry. But Jackie, I love you so much, and that that story was so beautiful. So I will save my Dreamcatcher anger for a different movie because I think it's applicable to a few of King's ventures. So I'll just wait <laughs> so as not to ruin a gorgeous moment. You guys both told great stories about you know a pretty crappy movie, but no. <laughs> I don't know. I want to see Doctor Sleep really Dr. bad. Doctor Sleep's really good. I don't have um, the HBO. I, I tried. I tried to have, give you my hat. Oh, you know what? And I just have to say it just so we have it on record. Shout mm-hmm. out to Donnie Wahlberg in Dream. Yes. <laughs> oh, sh- oh, he was Duddits. Yeah, he, he was, was Duddits. He was. Yeah. Oh, Duddits. You know, and like, I, I'm, I'm not going to lie. Like, I'm like, I'm mad that I don't have a friend named Henry because if I did, I would call him Henny. Huh. Yeah, there you no, go. I, I really do. Like I said, I it's such a guilty pleasure. I've seen it so many. I own it. I actually like before. I don't think it was on DVD by itself, but it, I I got it for Christmas. It was on a, a DVD box set. It's Shawshank Redemption, The Shining, and Dreamcatcher, and wow. that's like in a little DVD box. One set of these got, things like, is a, not like the others. <laughs> <laughs> that's the theme of the box set. Yes. Yeah. Wow. I love you, Jackie. That's all um next category m-o-o-n that spells the next category because we have the stand the 1994 made for tv one which um uh i'm watching the new one and i'm delighted by versus silver bullet from 1985 (laughs) so i i only didn't make it to three films and so one of those the second one of those films was the stand um okay so i'm sitting this one out but i will say that um one of the things that I said in the group chat was silver bullets, the wheelchair question mark (laughs) explanation point, Um, which like that, that alone. And I was like, this is, it's also peak Gary Busey serving you like Gary, Gary Busey, then serving you Gary Busey now, (laughs) Um, which was amazing. And so I super enjoyed, um, I super enjoyed watching silver bullet. Um, if nothing else for how just like it was such it like it wanted to be monster squad like it wanted to do <laughs> that's that fair. Yeah. that's super and, fair and so yeah so i i will set this one out but you know i just wanted to put that out there for silver bullet i was doing a lot of youtube watching in like random places like i was waiting for jen to get her vaccine and i was watching the stand on youtube in my car so i have some of these notes are on my phone and on my phone i just want to let you guys know that at iOS autocorrected all of my Gary Sinises to Gary Sinuses. <laughs> I just is my favorite thing about having to rewatch the stand. But um, so wait, it's the stand versus Silver Bullet, right? Okay. So uh, oh god, I don't I don't know what to do. <laughs> I need more to both these are like the same movie. It's like the stand is just longer, Silver Bullet. <laughs> no, all right, hold on. I need more time. I need to think. Okay, I know my answer is The Stand. Silver Bullet was good. Silver Bullet, I watched it, and Megan Follows is in that movie, and she plays Anne of Green Gables from the the PBS miniseries that I watch as a little kid that I actually own. So I got super excited, and I was like waiting patiently for Silver Bullet to end so I could run downstairs and grab Anne of Green Gables and watch that because I much prefer Anne of Green Gables. (laughs) She's so good in that Anna Green Gables. She's fantastic. Josie, oh, I Joe do. Loves I love Anna Green Gables. Me too. Me too. And she, I, that girl is so good. And I was like, holy crap, it's Anna Green Gables. Because I, I never that seen movie made me want to drink. 
because I was like, I need to taste blackberry brandy because she and her friend got crunk and my girl wasted on blackberry brandy. And I'm like, I obviously I need to drink blackberry brandy. Uh, no, um, I'm in. Uh, if you're if we're having a drug blackberry brandy, I'm in. I'm in. Oh, God, I, think I think we have some. <laughs> that's so brandy that's blackberry flavored. Oh, um, but so no, funny. silver bullet was Love good, friend. but I mean, the stand is just it's the stand, it's denim Dan on one side and Gary Sinise on the other. It's so friggin' good, yeah. Stand all the way, baby. Can you dig your man? He's a right, yeah. Stand. I, yeah, my vote definitely goes to the stand as well. I think, you know, again, there is a lot of uh, sentimentality there. I'm glad that they decided to readapt it, uh, especially because there's so much that, you know, you can get away with more now and better, like, effects and all of that kind of stuff. Although I'm not happy with the way they went about the stand. I just don't like that. We'll yeah. talk later. <laughs> but um, I do, um, yeah, my vote goes for that. Silver Bullet was fun. I love the cycle of the werewolf. I'm looking at it right now on my shelf over here. You know, I I, I like seeing, um, you know, Stephen King's uh, things through his lens, through his perspective. So that's like werewolves by Stephen King interesting you know um yep. one of my few notes is just gary Busey. dot 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 <laughs> okay here we gary are Busey being gary uh, Busey, you know yep. so i just um yeah no i'm gonna go with the with the stand yeah and and i'm i'm thankful for that as a big fan of the stand but i gotta say uh, cycle of the werewolf was probably short of like this day it was big for me as a kid i remember eyes of the dragon and uh cycle of the werewolf being my two like starter king books that i just read over and over and over again and i remember how scary the illustrations were i feel like to this day the the, the graphic novel was like ahead of its time and it's not only the illustrations but also just in the storytelling and listen i yeah silver bullets bananas and and I'm here for Corey Haim and anything and everything. Yeah. So I, you know, it was a tough one to see these two go up against each other, but the stand moves through. Well, well no, wait, hold on. I, I didn't vote yet, technically. Oh, no. you didn't? Oh, I, did. I thought you did. No, so it doesn't matter, I don't think, but it, but I do. I would have voted, no, it does. I voted it, for the it stand. Does. No, I think everybody's the stand, right? Joe went, um, oh, Silver Joe, Bullet. Joe can't vote because he no, didn't Joe's vote. not voting. Anymore. Oh, right, right. Yeah, okay, I can't okay. Vote. So, yeah, so the stand goes through. <laughs> but but I, I would, in the end, vote the stand, and I'll, I'll, I guess so then I'll save the stand. Save it. But I do, I do want to talk about Silver Bullet for a little while because, man, is it just bananas in the best way? It, it's definitely my favorite killer bear movie of all time. Um, because. <laughs> I mean, if I've never seen, I mean, in the killer bear <laughs> genre, this one is the one that is, you know, there, the most effective. Yeah, um, it does make competition. You, yeah, it makes you wonder if anybody working on it had ever seen a wolf. Like, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Go ahead. Also, Gary Busey, did have you guys heard that Gary Busey ad libbed all of his lines in this movie? I've heard a that crack he did will a do lot. that to you. Yeah. Yeah, I, I've, I, the, the latest I read was that he, he didn't, that King was literally just like, just let him go, whatever. Um, so King wrote this screenplay, which is why it just, it kind of like, it, it baffles me because Cycle of the Werewolf is so good. And I can't imagine how he didn't like use, I don't know how you write Cycle of the Werewolf and then say, oh, you know, we're going to drop, we're going to drop the most effective part of this whole thing. And that is that it's broken out by month and it creates that drama of like January, February, March. Like right. I have a really huge uh, emotional connection to the cycle of the werewolf. So I had never seen this movie and watching it as adult. It's just crazy. Do you guys, they literally have a close up on running legs and Corey Haim, who's in a wheelchair 
Yeah. Is watching. Triggering. Yeah. Like what? Triggering. All right. So, second of all, how much is this just werewolf lost boys? Like who, at what point were they just like, oh, you know what? We're going to make this other movie with the same kid and just instead of werewolves, instead of killer bears, we'll have vampires. I was waiting for uh, Cry Little Sister to, to kick in at any minute. Oh my God. It's crazy. Also, <laughs> I love every fucking made for TV Stephen King movie has a narrator. And does every one of them have the line, a town where people really care about each other? Because I swear to God, in the first few minutes of this movie, I was like, is that we just see this over and over and over again? Voiceover, a small town where everybody cares about each other. It just un- it's unreal to me that this that just, just goes on and on and on. Um, also, Cycle of the Werewolf is a mystery. I mean, literally, it is an effective mystery. And then I could see if someone else wrote this movie and was like, all right, we're just going to, you know what, screw it. It's too hard to bring that element in visually. But the same guy wrote the screenplay and was like, I'm just going to have one of the most tantalizing pieces of the, no- of the novel or the graphic novel, whatever you want to call it, just be gone because we're going to make sure everybody knows, you know, who the, who the werewolf is way before the end. It was just bonkers in so many ways. Um, but not all those bonkers ways were, were bad. <laughs> so like Gary Busey's ad libs. <laughs> there's one I wrote down and I can't find it now that he says at the end where it's like Jesus something. Do, do any of you have that note? Like, Oh my God, there's a Gary Busey line at the end that I just was like, did, did I really just hear that? I rewound it. And it was like something Jesus nobbler or uh, I'm going to find it. Hold on. I'm going to go look for it. And then I'll just, I'll yell it at you at some point. I'm not sure. <laughs> well, while you do that, while you go down that rabbit hole of Gary Busey quotes, um, I'm going to go ahead and move on. Um, the next one is Pet Cemetery from 1989. Shout out to the only female director on the list, I believe, uh, Mary Lambert. And then uh, 1408 from 2007. Ooh. A tie. No, I feel like two decent, like, you know, m- m- choices I would have liked to see go through got pitted against each other. <laughs> um, oh, go ahead. Okay, I'm just going to be blinded by my love for John Cusack and and vote for 1408. I, they're both, uh, that would be like, I would, I have both of those in my hand on a Friday night at Blockbuster and I am begging my mom to let me rent both. Like those, I, I enjoy both of those movies very much, but yeah, I'm going to go ahead and uh, be blinded by my love. So I'm going to vote for 1408. I'm going to do the opposite and go for Pet Cemetery. Um, 1408, I don't, I don't have like the same kind of connection to. I think this was really the first time I watched it all the way through. Um, again, it has that horror writer anxiety and, you know, these sorts of things that are, you know, that thin veneer of, of, of Stephen King, you know, writing about his own uh, stuff in a way. But um, yeah, Pet Cemetery for me. At cemetery all the way. Although I, again, like I truly, I, I watched Cell before I watched 1408. And so I was like, ah, like that, I should have done it the other way around. I <laughs> uh, should have done it the other way around. But, um, and while I do appreciate like everything that, you know, all of just kind of like the insane insanity, um, Pet Cemetery. Um, now, because that means that I can watch the reboot and see what the big deal was. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> So much of what I relate to in Stephen King is is being a, a struggling writer because he writes about struggling writers so much. And the 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 reading scene in fourteen oh eight is just dead on. Ja- Jackie and Marissa know because they they have been the only two people 
bad readings of mine. Um, it's and it's just soul crushing. And that so that opening scene in fourteen oh eight, I appreciated so much, where he looks out and there's three people sitting there. Um, I I watched fourteen oh eight and the Mist back to back last night, and uh, it's the first time I had seen either one of them. And um, I really wanted to like the Mist a lot, and I really didn't want to like fourteen oh eight. Um, but I really did like 1408 a lot. And I got really swept up in the ending of 1408. And I got really swept up in like the vibe and the sort of the meta way it was like sort of pacing itself. It is very loopy. It's got a lot of problems. Um, I could not stop thinking that the ghost who jumps out the window looks like she was from Twilight Zone Tower of Terror, the way she was like all staticky in like that 90. Yeah, which, uh, which version did you watch? What was your ending? I wound up watching both in the end. I, originally, okay. it was the, I'm so confused, Jackie. I guess the first one I watched was the non-theatrical ending. And then I went and found the theatrical ending. Is that right? Which one? I think so. I think the director's cut is the one where he survives, and the theatrical. Or no, you know what? No, I'm talking out of my ass. I don't remember which is which. So the one where, yeah, I, I, I don't, I, I've, I've gotten confused, but I did like, I did like it, especially the way it was supposed to be, um, and and both those movies have so much like mythos around their ending. And uh, and I didn't expect to like the ending of this movie, but I actually liked it a little better. That, all that said, I vote Pet Cemetery. which <laughs> is a better movie in the end. <laughs> all right, so Pet Cemetery goes through. Um, our next uh, round is it, the made-for-TV version from 1990, and it is up against 1982's second George Romero film on the list, Creep Show. Sorry. <gasps> oh my God. Holy choice. No. Or should I say Harry's choice? <laughs> oh. That is, that's. <sighs> I was not all prepared. The, all the lifelongers are like. <laughs> I, I was not prepared for, <laughs> for those to go against. Yeah. I, I have such a history oh, with, with it. I watched that movie way too young like i said in the beginning i watched that movie and then i used to shower i had an escape plan when i would take a shower and i would shower <laughs> facing the drain so the moment i could see a little bit of white in the drain i'd book it like i always had the door open i would not shower with the door closed the door was open like we had a you know just one of those it wasn't a, like a glass uh, shower curtain we had one of the cloth shower curtains and like I literally would shower facing the drain soap in my eyes didn't matter because the moment I saw the gleaming white of Pennywise's head I had an escape plan already set so I I would be it would be a detriment to my history as a horror fan if I didn't vote for uh the 1990 it creep show is amazing Creep show is so, so amazing. And this is another one where I would want to take both of them home and watch both of them. But yeah, I, I have way too much love for, for it. I know that the ending is hokey and the acting is not fantastic. And there's a weird spider and it's just shadows and whatever. I don't care. Uh, Tim Curry is phenomenal. He scared the ever loving shit out of me for years. So... <laughs> 
there's my piece i'm gonna as as the one like not lifelong horror fan here i'm <laughs> i'm voting for creep show um i don't know like it was there was just something that I think was just unexpected. And I think, I think maybe it was just my individual detriment to, um, to have watched like the 2017 it before seeing um, the original nineties uh, it. Um, and also like, again, like it, that I just clearly remember the, the like VHS set in my aunt's like collection and like Pennywise popping out of there and just being like, okay, this is something that I never want to like, this is something I never want to see. Um, this is a no-go zone. Uh, <laughs> but Creepshow I thought was just so like, it was so quirky and unhinged. Like it was very much like, I understand now Joshua with like the references to uh Tales from the Crypt and how it like it's it is like the foundation for Trick or Treat anthology, but also kind of like that comic booky type thing. How pulpy it is, um, but I, I like I just the the Ted Danson, uh, um, Leslie Nielsen stuff of just like that whole thing was just like has stuck with me um, <laughs> because I was like, wow, that's a, this is like a really like, this is Edgar Allan Poe level sadistic and I can't, um, I can't shake it. So for me, again, like, you know, taking into consideration um, my, my history with it, I, I have to go, I, I go creep show. Um, cause now I'm like, okay, well now give me all your creep show. Give me like, let me, I can't wait to watch like, um, the subsequent sequels, uh, later, not, maybe not today, but like very soon. Oh, you're in for a treat. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah creep show two is really good. Joe, that was so beautifully said. I really, that, that was really well done. Um, both of these movies really, I'm, I'm, and Josh, I'm butting in here because I don't, God forbid, I don't want this pressure on me. You got to take the deciding vote on this one because it's sad and scary. Oh, that's okay. I wanted to. I wanted okay, to take, exactly. so I'm just going to wait. I'm gonna go. I felt like the bravado coming from you that you wanted it and I don't want it. So I, yeah, I'm going to wait. All right. <laughs> so both of these movies really make me think of my sister, who happens also to be the co-host of this podcast, because these were two movies that we watched incessantly way too young. Um and so it was interesting to revisit both of them with my children because I was so excited and interesting, interested to share both of these movies with them. And honestly, I probably would have gotten to a couple of more of, of the movies I hadn't seen if I hadn't spent so much time using this tournament to like introduce Charlie and Finn to, to school 80s stuff. Um, and both held up, I mean, really well. So that's what makes it so hard because I... I felt like both really worked for them too. And I, and I was trying to make them like my gauge. Um, if you'll indulge me in one more Abuelita story, the, I always think of my grandmother with Creepshow because my grandmother was a woman who spoke very little English, was very easy to believe that she didn't know what was going on, that she would be sitting there in the corner with Marissa and I eating her galletas soaked in coffee and just muttering in Spanish to herself. And unless Walter Mercado was on, she really wasn't paying all that much attention to television. But there's a or couple Sabado of Gigante. or Sabado Gigante, all seven <laughs> hours of it. Um, so there were there were times, though, when Marissa and I would be enraptured in a horror movie and she would make one key broken English comment that would make us realize that she really didn't know what was going on. And there's a moment in Creepshow where Leslie Nielsen has the gun to Ted Danson. Do you remember this person? And she turned to Marissa and I and said, Esun Sanamabishi. 
Um, and we were like, damn, she's paying attention. Son of Mambishi. That and the guy from Poltergeist were the two Son of Mambishis that Abuela uh, picked up on. I like I the, such... the, the Mike, her, her thoughts on Michael Myers with him being yeah. a, bad, he, he a bad guy. He's he's back, back. He's back. Oh, and I told also, Marissa, do you remember this one? I told, my kids like had to pause it because I said that Abuela said when Ten Datsun comes back from the dead, Songtang monster is goo. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, everything I need to know about life I learned from Abuela-ism, so yeah. Songtang like, monster is goo is like an entire genre of horror movies. But anyway, yeah. Um, yeah. that said... You cannot break the iconography of it. And as much as like, I, I'm going to wait till we talk about 2017 to get into my anger about part two. But I will also say this really quick before I vote for it. Stephen King will never exist again. Like Michael Jackson and the Beatles, the culture is not built for someone to dominate genre anymore in the way that he dominated genre. There will never be a Stephen King. And so let me make this point and then I'll shut up about the writer side of this, okay? Stephen King got an editorial carte blanche that will never fucking happen ever, ever, ever in the history of writing again. The, oh, greatest, I hope not. <laughs> the greatest writers of this moment <laughs> are struggling for a second book deal. And this son of a bitch, this son of Mambishi, to quote Abuela, used to just, had, he could do whatever he wanted. Yeah. And, 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 he, and he uses that power in such an awful way. <laughs> and the novel It is, is, the, is the paradigm for his inability to rein himself in and the fact that nobody had the balls to do it for him. He didn't surround himself with people who kept him in check. And so that, that story makes me so angry because it is the greatest part, act one and act two of a novel that I, it is my greatest disappointment from literature as a, as a, as a young person because I, hate, I loved the beginning of that book and I loathe the ending so much. That said, Pennywise, fucking Tim Curry, I vote for it. It breaks my heart. Yeah, um, yeah. I'm sad that these have to go up against each other because Creepshow is a, is just a movie that I really, really love a lot. It's it's ridiculous and fun and campy and just, it gives me all that Tales with the Crypt stuff we were talking about. But it, yeah, I'm I'm going to vote for it. I'm going to go with the the majority because I'm shocked here. I know, but it's because of like, again, because Fright School comes from like a cultural influence, it's like you have a whole generation of like chlorophobics like, <laughs> because of it. Um, and, I, and I do I do agree with that idea, like Michael Jackson, Madonna, The Beatles, Stephen King, Anne Rice also had a similar, you know, he no editor, just yeah. turn in your manuscript, we'll publish it as is, which is horrible yeah. and dangerous and was also bad <laughs> in her hands. Uh, I, I, do like, I do like Anne Rice, but she's got some bloated books as well because of it Steven yep. obviously has a lot of very bloated like oh my god get to the point damn it um you know but yeah it just as a cultural touchstone is i i just don't see it doesn't have creep show definitely deserves more respect i love it and i would definitely show that at a party over it obviously even though i think it would freak people out a lot more i'd get a much more emotional response if i tried to show that um especially you know Tim Curry is really freaking creepy as Pennywise. It's um, yeah. So yeah, I'm gonna go with it. Sorry, Marissa, oh. you're heartbroken. No, that's okay. I I think it's a surprise. I was surprised. I thought it was gonna go the other way. If I'm being honest. And um, last but not least, in our 32, 
round is Salem's Lot from 1979 versus Cat's Eye from 1985. Which is kind of the same thing we just had. The Salem's Lot was the third movie that I wasn't able to get to. So, okay. which, which, like, I will say that I did, like, I have watched the Rob Lowe's Salem's Lot mm-hmm. um, with Rucker Hauer and all of that. And I remember thinking, like, I must be, it's like, I must be crazy, but I love this. And then ne- never, and then not putting it together that, like, you know, the, the seeds of horror fandom were like brewing <laughs> because of that. Um, That's not crazy. I love that too. And also not putting together that like it was a like I loved Rose Red and then seeing the Salem's Lot like putting together it was the same author. So that being said, um, (laughs) that being said, Cat's Eye, (laughs) Cat's Eye was Cat's Eye, but um, I don't have I I don't get a vote on this one. But um, I'm curious to see what y'all are gonna say. Me too. I'm curious to see how this goes. This kind of goes the same, like, I don't know, I feel like with It and Creepshow, like, Cat's Eye has, like, a really special place for me. I love the Loser's Inc. or whatever, like, the first section of Quitter's it. Quitter's Inc., yeah. Uh, Quitter's Inc., sorry. Um, you know, I, I I just think it's it's fun and, and weird. I remember my grandmother, so I'll tell a grandmother's story. My grandmother was uh, this intense alcoholic from Appalachia. <laughs> And I remember watching Cat's Eye again, one of those 90s like movies and she babysat us a lot, but she lived with us. Of course, she babysat us while my my teenage mother, you know, 20 something mother ran around on the town doing whatever it was. Ours lived with us too. And yeah, we were. She was responsible. So so I remember watching that movie and she was so pissed because she was a chain smoker as well. She just sit there smoking, watching that, like trying to take my cigarettes from me. God damn it. Oh my God, did we have Give the same abuela? <laughs> <laughs> like, she was so angry about like that whole like situation. But uh, my uh, uh, my vote is going to go to Salem's Lot. I mean, vampires, small town, blah, 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 blah. We could talk more about it later, but if, if it wins, but that's my vote. Yeah, yeah. I, I, will, I will vote uh, Salem's Lot too, um, and, then, and then reserve comment. But, Cat, but Cat's Eye was, yeah, just one of those touchstone movies for growing up in, in the time we grew up. And, and I will never, ever forget it. And uh, The Ledge, to me, is the one that held up the best, the second one, right? Mm. Um, I thought that one was the, was the one that held on the most. The, the Drew Barrymore little troll uh, just felt so totally off to me as an adult in a way it didn't feel totally off when I was a kid. It's funny, like watching it as a parent, I was like, he's trying to kill her. Why is he floating on balloons delightfully just minutes later? Um, it was just so kind of weirdly uh, 80s in that way that like they were like, one minute you can want to kill a kid and the next you could be floating triumphantly on balloons. Um, so I don't know. I, I vote sounds a lot. This was a first watch for both of them for me. Oh, cool. um, I knew nothing about Cat's Eye. Yeah, I I think I've heard of it. I just never shocked. watched it. Um, didn't realize it was an anthology. And I'm just like, where did James Woods go? Like, I don't understand <laughs> where his character, like, who is this guy on the ledge? Like, what is, is he like, does he know James Woods? Like, I just kept waiting for James Woods. Um, <laughs> uh, but all that being said, um, getting to watch, finally watch the 1979 Salem's Lot was a delight and a treat and and marissa has been talking this one up to me for years 
It's it's so I good. So absolutely my lot. vote is going to Salem's Lot. So congratulations, guys. We survived our first round. Thank you all so much. I cannot wait to see how this shakes out. It's going to get real ugly up in this piece real quick, I think, in our next episode. I first want to thank uh, the gentleman from Freight School, Joshua and Joe. Please tell us a little bit about where we can find you guys and where we can listen to Freight School. Uh, well, we are at Freight School on everything. Uh, so, you know, follow us on Instagram, follow us on Facebook, all of those, all of the places, the, you know, the social media, and you can listen to us pretty much anywhere you want to get podcasts, um, you know, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, even, which is very exciting for some reason that the children's use it, uh, you know, <laughs> so you can find us on all those things. And I just want to say truly, guys, if you haven't listened to Freight School, please go check them out. They're one of my all time favorite podcasts. I crave new episodes. I literally like to drive to work every day pretending I'm sitting in the West Craven Memorial Library with them shooting the shit and like just one of one of one of the fright schoolers I just absolutely love the insights I love talking about shows I love everything that you guys do so um definitely check them out if you have not and Joe Costal thank you so much for coming on um Joe you are an author a poet uh all around renaissance man where can we find you um, I'm so happy to be among the ghouls always. Um, JoeCostal.com, yeah, JoeCostal on Twitter. Um, I have uh, some short work coming out in the McNeese Review this spring. Um, and um, also, if you want to uh, have me look at your novel that you've been working on for years, if you got a novel in the drawer, um, I do editing through Murphy Writing at Stockton University. So you can Google that. Is Murphy, are you uh, doing any Murphy sessions anytime soon? I just did a, a big one. I just did a uh, over Martin Luther King weekend. I did a writing the novel you've wanted, always wanted to read workshop. Um, so no, I got. I'm going to take a little break, but probably late spring, early summer, we'll we'll do another one definitely. As for the ghouls, you know where to find us: JerseyGhouls.com. Search Jersey Ghouls on social media or your favorite podcast app, and you will find us there. We are so excited to be in the thick of March Madness. Like Marissa said, it's going to be super exciting to see how it all shakes out. We hope you guys enjoyed this episode and we will see you next time. Uh, bye bye. You know, it's funny since we're talking about Abuelita. I don't know that I've ever even said out loud on the show that Abuelita comes from my Abuelita. Abuelita, yeah. Because yeah, that's how she always said goodbye. And that's how we end. Abuelita. So, yeah, thanks for tuning in, everybody. We'll see you next time. Abuelita. You're listening to the Geekscape Network.